Hello, and welcome to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights Podcast. Each month, Chess Editor-in-Chief Dr. Peter Mazzone highlights key articles from the current issue of the journal to help clinicians stay informed about new research in the fields of pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. To introduce this month's episode, here is Dr. Peter Mazzone. Thank you for tuning in to the Editor's Highlight Podcast for the December 2023 issue of the journal Chest. We have a great lineup of diverse content in this month's issue. Over the next 10 to 15 minutes, I'll provide a brief overview of key manuscripts published in each of our content areas. We'll start with our chest infections content area. The clinical significance of respiratory virus detection in the nasopharynx of immunocompromised patients with acute respiratory failure is uncertain. In this issue, Mailard and colleagues report the findings of a pre-planned post-hoc analysis of a randomized controlled trial of immunocompromised patients admitted to 32 intensive care units for acute respiratory failure, designed to determine if viral detection in nasopharyngeal swabs is associated with causes and outcomes. 103 of 510 sampled patients had positive results of the viral PCR assay. The cause of acute respiratory failure varied according to the assay results. The proportion of viral pneumonia diagnoses was 50% with flu-like viruses, 14% with other viruses, and 3.6% when no virus was detected. There was no difference in 28-day mortality the need for invasive mechanical ventilation, or both, based on positive assay findings, whereas flu-like virus detection was associated with a higher rate of day 28 mortality, invasive mechanical ventilation, or both. These results suggest a positive result on a nasopharyngeal multiplex PCR assay in immunocompromised patients with acute respiratory failure is only associated with invasive mechanical ventilation or mortality for flu-like viruses. Three additional original research articles can be found in this section. The first evaluates phenotypic features of pediatric bronchiectasis exacerbations that are associated with symptom resolution after 14 days of oral antibiotic treatment. The second explores CT differences of pulmonary tuberculosis according to the presence of a pleural effusion. The third is a systematic review of the economic burden of bronchiectasis. On to our COPD content area. It is unclear if the updated Rome proposed definition of exacerbation of COPD has clinical relevance. In this issue, Chrysophuli and colleagues report findings from an observational retrospective study designed to assess the association between the Rome severity classification and short-term and intermediate-term clinical outcomes. 347 hospitalized patients were categorized, 39% as mild, 31% moderate, and 30% severe. Those with severe exacerbations had an extended length of hospital stay and worse prognosis at follow-up points, including a higher risk of death at one year, a hazard ratio of 1.99. 
Those with moderate grade exacerbations also had a higher risk of death at one year, with a hazard ratio of 1.47. Age over 80, long-term oxygen therapy requirement, and having prior exacerbations were also associated with higher mortality. These results suggest that the Rome classification can help to identify poor prognosis after a COPD exacerbation over time. Next is our critical care content area. The safety and efficacy of bone marrow mesenchymal stem cell-derived extracellular vesicles, which have immunomodulatory and regenerative properties, as treatment for moderate to severe ARDS in patients with severe COVID-19 is not known. In this issue, Leitner and colleagues report findings of a prospective phase two multi-center double-blind randomized placebo-controlled dosing trial designed to assess the safety and efficacy of bone marrow mesenchymal stem cell-derived extracellular vesicles in 102 patients in this patient population. They did not find any treatment-related adverse events from two doses. 60-day mortality was not significantly reduced overall, while mortality reduction and ventilator-free days were noted to have improved in subgroup analysis in participants age 18 to 65. These results show promise for the safety and potential efficacy of bone marrow mesenchymal stem cell-derived extracellular vesicle therapy for severe ARDS. Also in this section is an original research article exploring indicators of neighborhood-level socioeconomic position in pediatric critical illness, a research letter evaluating restrictive visitation policies and related post-traumatic stress among families of critically ill patients with COVID-19, and a How I Do It review on the identification and management of acute neuromuscular respiratory failure in the intensive care unit. On to our diffuse lung disease content area. It is unclear how to apply guideline-described radiologic patterns of UIP and fibrotic HP concurrently within a single patient. In this issue, Marinescu and colleagues assigned guideline-defined patterns to patients from the Canadian Registry for Pulmonary Fibrosis in a standardized multidisciplinary discussion to determine how to integrate radiologic patterns to diagnose ILD and identify potential pitfalls. In 1,593 patients, 26% with IPF and 12% with fibrotic HP, typical and probable UIP patterns corresponded to a diagnosis of IPF in 66% and 57% of patients respectively, while a typical fibrotic HP pattern corresponded to a fibrotic HP diagnosis in 65% of patients. Compatible fibrotic HP pattern was nonspecific, and no pattern ruled out connective tissue disease-related interstitial lung disease. Gas trapping affecting more than 5% of lung parenchyma on expiratory imaging helped to separate compatible and typical fibrotic HP from other patterns. These results suggest that an integrated approach to guideline-defined UIP 
and fibrotic HP is feasible with typical or probable UIP and typical fibrotic HP patterns having moderate predictive values and supports greater than 5% gas trapping as an important feature. Completing this section is a research letter evaluating intrafamilial correlation and variability in the clinical evolution of pulmonary fibrosis. On to our education and clinical practice content area. It is unclear whether race-specific spirometry reference equations improve the ability of predicted FEV1 to explain quantitative CT abnormalities, dyspnea, or gold classification. In this issue, Nan and colleagues explored this question using data from healthy, never-smoking adults in the National Health and Nutrition Survey and COPD gene co study cohorts to generate race-neutral, race-free, and race-specific prediction equations, then applied these equations in a cross-sectional analysis of individuals who currently or previously smoked. They found that the race-specific equations did not have an advantage in models of quantitative chest CT phenotypes or dyspnea. Race-neutral equations reclassified up to 19% of Black participants into more severe gold classes, and race-neutral as well as race-free equations improved model fit for dyspnea symptoms. These results suggest race-specific equations offer no advantage over race-neutral, race-free predicted FEV1 in models of dyspnea and chest CT abnormalities. Also in this section is an original research article describing the acute effects of water pipe smoking on central and peripheral hemodynamics, a research letter that describes the validation of a quantitative lung ultrasound protocol in COVID-19 patients, and a How I Do It review describing mechanical insufflation, exufflation, implementation, and management aided by graphics analysis. Next is our pulmonary vascular content area. There's conflicting data about whether adopting upfront combination therapy for treatment-naive patients with low-risk pulmonary arterial hypertension is beneficial or well-tolerated. In this issue, Fovell and colleagues use data from the original Ambrosantin and Tadalafil in patients with pulmonary arterial hypertension trial with patients' risk classified by the REVEAL 2.0 score and the Pulmonary Hypertension Outcomes and Risk Assessment Tool to assess the benefit of upfront combination therapy in patients with low-risk pulmonary arterial hypertension. Patients categorized as low-risk by these measures had reduced hazard ratios for clinical worsening at one in three years post-enrollment that did not achieve statistical significance. Patients with low-risk pulmonary arterial hypertension had non-significantly higher incidence of side effects. These results suggest that some patients with low-risk pulmonary arterial hypertension may benefit from further stratification of risk when deciding on the use of upfront combination therapy. Completing this section is the American College of Chest Physicians Expert Panel Report on antithrombotic therapy in arterial thrombosis and thromboembolism. 
now our sleep medicine content area. Obstructive sleep apnea has been associated with increased incidence and aggressiveness of melanoma, but the long-term impact of obstructive sleep apnea and CPAP treatment on melanoma prognosis is not known. In this issue, Gomez, Olivez, and colleagues report findings from a retrospective cohort study of 443 patients with cutaneous melanoma who underwent a sleep study within six months of diagnosis to determine if obstructive sleep apnea and CPAP treatment are independently associated with a poor prognosis for cutaneous melanoma. After adjustment for age, sex, sentinel lymph node involvement, BMI, diabetes, nighttime hypoxia, Breslow index, Epworth sleepiness scale score, and melanoma treatment, moderate and severe obstructive sleep apnea were associated with poor melanoma progress with hazard ratios of 2.45 and 2.96 respectively. This excess risk was mitigated by good adherence to CPAP, with a hazard ratio falling to 1.66. These results identify moderate to severe untreated obstructive sleep apnea as an independent risk factor for poor prognosis of melanoma, with CPAP treatment improving outcomes. Next is our thoracic oncology content area. Anxiety and emotional distress have not been studied in large, diverse samples of patients with pulmonary nodules. In this issue, Gould and colleagues report the findings of surveys of participants in a large, pragmatic clinical trial of more versus less intensive strategies for radiographic surveillance of patients with small pulmonary nodules to determine how common anxiety and distress is and what factors are associated with these outcomes. 2,049 individuals completed the baseline survey. The impact of event scale revised scores indicated mild, moderate, or severe distress in 32.2%, 9.4%, and 7.2% of respondents, respectively. Greater emotional distress was associated with larger nodule size, lack of timely notification by a clinician, younger age, female sex, ever smoking, black race, and Hispanic ethnicity. Anxiety was associated with lack of timely notification, ever smoking, and female sex. These results suggest almost one half of those with small pulmonary nodules have emotional distress six to eight weeks following pulmonary nodule identification. Subgroups where strategies to mitigate the burden of distress could be targeted were noted. Completing this section, is a research letter that describes the use of a blood biomarker to distinguish benign from malignant pulmonary nodules among subgroups of sex, smoking history, nodule size, and nodule detection setting. I encourage you to read our Humanities in Chest Medicine section, where you'll find an exhalations piece titled, Making Anger Count. Finally, please review our case series publications for the month, which provide novel and educational cases to help improve your clinical skills. I hope you enjoy reading all the high-quality content available in this month's issue as chest. As always, I'm grateful to the authors of this work, 
reviewers who volunteered their time to improve the quality of these manuscripts into our editorial board for guiding everything that we do. Until next month, I hope you enjoy the December issue. Thanks for listening to the Chess Journal's Editor Highlights podcast. You can find the articles mentioned in this podcast and more on chestjournal.org. And if you're looking for more context and commentary on articles in the current issue, please check out the original Chess Journal podcast, which features in-depth discussions with the authors themselves. We'll be back again with more Editor's Highlights next month.